Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Oh, come on. No, you have to rank, rank them. them oh, you have to rank them? Oh, yeah. Come on. I mean, well, this is the... Okay. This is the uh, this is the the fun. You got to count down to number one. You know, I'm putting you on the spot now. But hey, you got to make some tough decisions here, guys. This is a, this is no easy ride here on the Zero to Travel podcast. You know, we can make tough decisions and leaving our kids. That's easy. When we're moving into our <laughs> yeah, right? we'll sell everything we own, leave our kids behind, live in an RV. But we can't possibly rank these these breweries. Oh. <laughs> 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 there was a snippet from my interview today with April and Kenny. They run the website livingastoutlife.com. They got one of these lifestyle businesses. You know I'm fascinated with people that find this way to live an unconventional travel lifestyle. And then they also build a business around their passions. In their case, it's craft beer, travel, and adventure. So about the first half of this interview, you get to hear why they chose to travel nomadically in an RV, how they made that transition from their full-time jobs. Of course, you can pick out some of the lessons and advice along the way that can help you. Why travel forces you to confront some of those big questions almost on a daily basis. We get into that. The secret to keeping a good relationship out on the road and craft beer culture and why they're just cool. Even if you don't drink, they have friends that don't drink that visit breweries all the time. What do we love about the brewery experience? How does that tie in with your travels? What is the culture around that? How can that help you meet locals? We get into all that stuff. And then we dive into their top 10 destinations for craft beer travelers and any traveler worth their salt. Of course, you want to hear about some new destinations, right? And there were some surprises on this list. And yes, I did stick to it. I did make them rank these in real time, which was a bit of a tough task for them on the fly, especially considering they got up at around five in the morning to record this interview, which was super kind. So really fun episode ahead of you. Plus, I'll share a few thoughts around the style of travel that you choose and what to consider, and what Evil Knievel reminded me of today. If you don't know who Evil Knievel is, you'll have to do a quick Google search. But yeah, I had a little uh, Evil Knievel moment this morning, and I'll share that with you. And loads more. It's all packed into this awesome episode that we're going to bring to you right now. So buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here, and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. 
listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason here with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. How are you doing, my friends? Things are good here. We celebrated Norway's National Day just the other day. It was pouring rain, but still had a great day nonetheless. A lot of good food. My wife put on the traditional costume, which is the bunad. It's always nice to see her in the traditional Norwegian outfit. My daughter dressed up, my son dressed up as much as we could get him dressed up. And I yeah, I put on my bow tie, my hat and, and did the thing. It, it was really nice. So uh, anyway, that is what is going on here lately. What is going on with you, my friend? You planning some trips? Are you out on the road right now? Get in touch. Jason at ZeroTheTravel.com is my email. In all the show notes as well, wherever you're listening to this podcast, there is a link to leave me a voice message. And I got a great one to share with you today from a listener. His name is Spencer. And he has an important lesson to share. He didn't know it probably when he recorded this voicemail for me. But it's a good reminder, something we've talked about a lot on the show before. And it's really a great way to set yourself up for travel success. Now, I will turn it over to Spencer. Hey, Jason, this is Spencer Connell from Laramie, Wyoming. Just want to say thank you so much for the inspiration and entertainment over the last year. Uh, I've binge-watched many of your episodes and love them, uh, and they have inspired me to stay on top of my goals, uh, which is becoming location-independent at the end of the summer, uh, which I plan to do and have bought the one-way ticket uh, to Southeast Asia. Uh, I have utilized your so-called travel tool belts, uh, and I have kind of placed my eggs in many baskets, so to speak, uh, just to get a foot out the door. Um, a TEFL certification, uh, some passive income, and then just the openness that you and many of your guests have uh, explored um, and are open to on the road, uh, just to stay flexible and take opportunities as they come. So again, I just wanted to say thank you so much for for uh, putting out those uh, episodes every week. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful summer up there in Norway. Thanks again. Bye. Thank you, Spencer. And I hope you have a wonderful summer as well. Sounds like you're set up for that. And I wanted to share this with you, the listener and this entire listening community, because this is an important reminder, this idea of being open, being flexible. As Spencer said, not putting all of your eggs in one travel basket, so to speak. And that's important if you're trying to set yourself up for long-term travel success, right? If you want to go nomadic, you want to travel long-term, or if you just want to take a month or two off, how you do it, where you end up going, all of these things. There, there are so many factors, your budget, uh, your job, you know, your family, relationships, all these things. But if we can just let go of what we think it may need to look like and just really open up to this idea of getting out in the world and having an experience, then that becomes the priority 
and you can just explore different things. You can set yourself up in different ways. Like a practical example in Spencer's case was getting that TEFL certificate, the teaching English as a foreign language certificate. He has that to fall back on. If his location independent business doesn't work out, he can always generate income using that. And there are a lot of different ways to do it, as you all know, listening to this show. So just a friendly reminder and Spencer, thanks for putting this out there. This is why I wanted to share it to just stay open, stay flexible. Thank you once again to Spencer for just sharing with the community. And don't forget, you can always reach out and get in touch. Leave a message yourself. I can actually reply to these messages very easily. I'd send you a voice message back, which is super cool. I figured out how to do that the other week. I'm like, oh, this is cool. So I just started recording messages right back to you. So if you leave me a message there, you will get a message back from me. And you can find that link in the show notes. Now, let's get into this interview. You heard what's going on. I mean, we got our top 10 craft brewery destinations for the craft beer lover. Some really interesting and surprising destinations. Some I wasn't so surprised about and others I never had heard of or never had even thought about before. So uh, you will be excited to hear this list being revealed in real time and just had a wonderful chat with two people who have found a way to just combine all their passions into something awesome that they love to do and that gets them out on the road and living out on the road nomadically. So please enjoy hearing their story and listening on my conversation with April and Kenny. Again, about the first almost half, we'll just get into their story, talk about their unconventional lifestyle, RV travel, and all that good stuff. And then we'll segue into the top 10 list. So enjoy the interview. Thanks for listening. And I will see you on the other side, my friend. We'll touch on this evil Knievel situation that happened to me this morning. Not really happened, but I'll share some thoughts around Evil Knievel and talk about pros and cons of every style of travel that you choose. Stick around for that. I'll see you on the other side. Uh, It's very early in Colorado. Are you guys in Colorado now? No, we're actually in Montana. Oh, are you on mountain time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's 5 a.m.? It is. (laughs) (laughs) Just want to let everybody know, because we we should definitely feel honored that you rolled out of bed at probably 4.30 just to record this podcast. So I'm all hyped. I've had multiple cups of coffee. You guys are probably having your first right we are. <laughs> yeah. we're getting juiced up here <laughs> most times we have uh beer with podcasts when we do podcasts with people and i asked kenny last night i'm like what beer what coffee beer do you got picked out and he's like uh-uh <laughs> <laughs> were there any beers consumed last night that's the question there what were last, what was last night <laughs> well no you had wine last night i had a beer with that's dinner true. And then okay. yesterday afternoon, we were at a brewery yesterday afternoon in Kalispell. So it's all part of the job, isn't it? it is. <laughs> exactly. It's hard work, but somebody has to do it, right? I mean that literally because uh, <laughs> I'm on with <laughs> April and Ken from Living a Stout Life. If you go to livingastoutlife.com, you can see what it's all about. To summarize, it's basically craft beer travel and adventure. It sounds like you guys just took all of your passions and put them in a blender and, and then just hit 
hit the button and then just poured them out into a big, fat, juicy glass of business. That's a brilliant way to describe everything that we do because it's all so connected. It's hard to like figure out, wait, are we working or are we playing or what are we doing today? True. And I think we're going to steal that for our elevator pitch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is that a challenge sometimes? You know, you mentioned that April just saying it's hard to kind of figure out now that you're on the road. We'll get into your story a bit. And then we are going to cover the top 10 destinations for craft beer lovers. And I would say also, even if you're not a craft beer lover, I imagine that some of those destinations may involve some adventures as well, because that's something that you guys do. You, you play hard and then go for that post-adventure beer, which is always the best beer, isn't it? Totally is. That's Absolutely. exactly it. It's just like when, you, when you're, uh, if you're a skier or a snowboarder or something, and you hike in the backcountry and then take your run down the mountain, you know, you earn your turns. We earn our drinks. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Somehow you earn it. It's like, th- there's no measurement for it. The measurement's just all in your head. Right. But <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like my body's tired enough. Okay. I, I guess I've earned it now. <laughs> I-, I was going to ask for your marriage advice. You guys have been married for how long? It'll, okay. Oh. I, okay. Believe it or not, I, as the woman always get this date messed up. <laughs> so it's <laughs> July 5th, 1997. Yep. As long how long we've been married. So that would be 24 years this year. 24 this summer. This yeah. summer. But we've been together for 20, oh, geez, almost 30 years. And then we've known each other for like 34 years. All right. So, I guess, so pretty good. Was that? I guess marriage <laughs> advice is, um, oh, and we live in a 24 foot RV. So put that in there too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, really heightens the whole situation, right? (laughs) It amplifies a lot of situations. (laughs) Amplify. That's the word I was looking for. What's the secret, guys? Come on. Communication. Know how to talk and know when to stop yelling. And I don't know. Yeah, I think that's the key really is just that you do have to be willing to talk to each other. You know, I mean, it's really easy to get locked into your own thought process. And, and when you're this close together all day long, we have to give each other space, even if it's just mental space, right? I mean, we can't give each other a lot of physical space sometimes when it's, you know, raining outside or something like that. We, we've got just, we're 10 feet away from each other all day long. So sometimes so, it's just, you put down that invisible cloak between you and say like, okay, you're over there, I'm over here and uh, you got your space, I got mine. So I have an interesting story that's become kind of funny between, I don't know, people who know us. It's, we call it the <laughs> slamming curtain story. So we were in the RV and we have a door, one door, and it goes to the bathroom. But for some reason, I didn't use that door. So we were arguing about something. I have no idea what. I was mad. He was mad. The, it was raining outside. So we couldn't go outside to get space. And I was continuing yelling. I stormed through the front of our cab, which is where we drive because we have motorhomes. So I stormed through the front and it has curtains on it. And so then what I do is I actually take those curtains and I try to slam the curtains shut. And I continue to yell at him through the curtains at the front of the cab. And then he comes (laughs) through the curtains and like opens up the curtains and he's like, oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) You can't storm off and slam the curtains and continue to yell. You have to have space. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, yeah. And something about the slamming of the door is a much more satisfying sound than just the, the pathetic metal rattling of a curtain, right? It's like, oh, oh, <laughs> okay, now I'm behind this thin piece of cloth and uh, 
All right, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that's the second piece of advice is being willing to laugh at what you were arguing about because I don't know what we were arguing about when that. Oh happened. yeah, to this day I can't remember what the heck we were arguing about. So yeah, <laughs> that's always funny, right? It's like why, why, why did we even? Sometimes it's you know an hour later. What were we fighting about again? I forget. I like how your part of your advice in the beginning was uh, it wasn't like don't yell at each other. It was just like no one to stop yelling at each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean if you don't let your feelings out, you know they you just bottle up and then it's going to be ten yeah. times worse when they finally do come out. So, well, I do think travel. Uh, you know whether you're a couple or you're going out with with a friend or whatever, I do think it connects you more quickly or even if it's just strangers i mean i've gone on the road with strangers and you know with these jobs i i meet them and then next thing you know i'm like all right i guess i'm sharing a room with this guy for the next eight months we don't even know each other but you know after a week it's just like you're in such close quarters and i feel like especially when you're married or in a in a partnership right it's if you're living at home you're just kind of doing your daily routine it's sort of easy to avoid like the real talk and the big questions you know whereas i feel like when you're out on the road it's just it's not that you avoid it at home, but you could more easily, I feel. Whereas like everything sort of amplified was the term you used, Ken, on the road. And I think that adds to the relationship. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, you know, I mean, being around each other so much, we get to know a lot about each other, I think on a different level than we would at home. Because, you know, in a, in a regular house, and, you know, somebody shuttling off to work, one of us working from home or vice, you know, things like that. You have kids, you have different activities you're doing throughout the day. And it's easy. It's easy to push those things to the back burner and focus on the minutia of the moment. And when you're around each other all day, I, I think it's a lot harder to push those things aside because you you do have to find a way to talk and communicate and not just shut things down. Otherwise, it's gonna come to a head really quick because you don't have any space away from each other if you're if yeah. you're together almost 24 7 so <laughs> can yeah. you talk about the the genesis of what you guys doing because like you uh, what you guys are doing because like you said you're living in an rv you're traveling around you have this resource now on your website living a stout life where you guys are basically writing about beer about travel adventures all these awesome things that that I love and maybe a lot of people listening do as well. You had lives before this, right? I mean, you you lived somewhere for a long time. You you raised kids. I mean, there are many ways to kind of go out onto the road, right? You, you don't have to necessarily start a business. You don't necessarily have to travel in an RV. You know, why did you guys choose all of these things and, and take your show on the road in this way, so to speak? So I guess, well, the first start is we initially, when our youngest was going to be in college, we initially wanted to move to the mountains because we're based out of Denver. That's home. And the mountains have always been like something that we've loved to do. Uh, it was very expensive. Couldn't find a job. I was actually a teacher before and it just wasn't matching up to what I needed. And then I was getting pissed off because why do we have to allow somebody else to tell us, you know, where we can live based off of a job that we want. So then it was just like, all right, we've always loved travel. So let's travel. We can't really go too far away yet because our kid's still in college, our youngest. And we have always wanted to travel everywhere, like overseas and do that whole nomad life as well. But that's not happening yet. So it's like, I heard a podcast, another podcast that said somebody's living in an RV. And I was like, what? You can live in an RV? So <laughs> that's where that came from. Because we've never RV'd. It's always like tent camping, car camping. 
And so that's where the travel and the RV kind of came from. We've always wanted to travel. Well, yeah, we've always traveled a good bit, whether it be around the United States or even around the world before we hit the RV. Um, but the RV just seemed to open it up to really explore and get to go a lot of places that we never went because it was always a weekend thing or, or a few days or a week here and there, you know, and now it's like we can take our lives with us on the road and we can be a place, be at a place for two days if we want or two months or two years. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So from there, then I came home from work from teaching one day and Kenny's like, well, I figured out a business. Like we want to do something. We wanted to write. We weren't really exactly sure of what it was we were going to try and do on the road. But he's like, I got a name. It's like Stout Life. And I'm like, what? I don't, I don't want everything to be around beer. Like we have to do something <laughs> besides just beer. And so he's like, yeah, but Stout Life has like that double meaning. It's a full bodied life, but it's also like a full bodied beer. So I was like, huh. That's not bad. <laughs> As we've built our business from, you know, initially it was like a lot of travel stuff, just like, here's what we're doing. And, you know, everybody's doing that. And so we tried to come up with a little different spin and we've always loved, I mean, craft beer was a hobby for us before it was a business. So we were always seeking out breweries and stuff wherever we went. Um, and, you know, we started mountain biking a few years ago and stuff and really delved into that. We're snowboarders. We do a lot of hiking, camping, things like that. So it just kind of naturally started to blend together. Um, and yeah, it just eventually, like you said, it took, I think we started our blender on a little slow at first. So it was a little, took a little time to get it up to the mix that we're at right now. But uh, yeah, it was, it's been a fun adventure to just get to where we're at. And it'll be three years this summer. Yeah, it'll be three years that we've lived in the RV and traveled around the United States and a little bit in Mexico mm -hmm. in the RV. And do you have supplemental income from somewhere else? Are you guys working in other jobs? or? Yes, I, I have been a website editor in the mixed martial arts space um, for a couple decades, actually. <laughs> so I was already working um, remotely from home even when we were in a sticks and bricks house, a traditional house. And so that was easy for me to take on the road because I didn't have to be any specific place to do that. Just needed to have a good internet connection and my phone and laptop. Is that a full-time job or is that an entrepreneurial endeavor? It was a full-time job um, as like a contracted employee. And I have over the last couple of years since we've been on the road, as we've built up Stout Life, I've been able to reduce that job to a pretty minimal part-time job just recently. And so now Stout Life is becoming the biggest part of what we're doing. And then we also, because of Stout Life, we've also landed some cool freelance gigs and things like that that uh, have turned into some regular work that helps sustain us. But work so that we can kind do. Kind of a nice life. transition, sort of a slow burn in a way, you're just slowly phasing out of the other stuff and as your yeah. other as yeah, your current business builds yeah i've been moving away from that job and and putting more of my time into this and april you know in the beginning she was a teacher when we before we hit the road so she in the beginning had to i should probably let you talk about it because yeah, she, she had to figure out her route <laughs> well i quit like i quit my job and we're thinking if we have half the income and half the bills, we should be fine. Yeah. And which 
okay for a while, but it was this real struggle because we left in the summer and my summers I usually had off. He was still working full time while we're on the road. So that caused a huge clash. I didn't know what to do with my time. I didn't know where we were going. And it took, like you said, it did slowly transition. But to me, it was just it, it slowly transitioned. Yeah. It was like, what t- were you teaching? I, um, when I left teaching, I was teaching middle school, social studies and science. But um, okay. before that, I taught fifth grade for five years too. Yeah. It's a different kind of life you were living each day, right? And you were on your own. So in, in a sense, I mean, you guys were together, but you had all this time, but then you didn't have your partner sort of to go out and do things. And that, that, that's like maybe the shock of the, the work travel life, right? It's like, oh yeah, the work part of travel is still there. <laughs> Yeah. How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> we constantly get questions. Are you retired? Nope. nope. <laughs> yeah, in the beginning, that was a pretty big struggle for us because, you know, I mean, April knew I was working and I knew I was working and she wasn't. And, but it's still, it's a, it's a struggle to come to that balance when you have that on the road where I'm working and she's not really working. And it's, you know, she gets a little antsy and it's like, we're going to all these new places all the time. And she's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. I want to go do this. I want to check this out. I want to do that. And I'm like, well, I got to do this. I got to work. I got to, and it's like, come on, hurry up, let's go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and but, it's a little back and forth, no, you know, because no. you got to balance that out. But now I do all the work and he doesn't do anything. Yeah. It's, <laughs> she's now my sugar mama. So <laughs> it's another question around working with your spouse, right? But in some ways, just from that conversation or what you guys just shared, I'm, I'm feeling like you guys having the business together is a good thing because now you're both on the same page in terms of working collectively and then you can kind of have your off time together and, and, and I'd imagine more than you could before, right? Yeah, it's nice. And we have a pretty good balance of how we do things. So if we're, cause, um, if we're talking to other people or interviewing breweries or interviewing other just things in the crappier industry, Ken, Kenny's pretty good at, he's the geeky guy around the beer. Like he'll get, <laughs> he'll delve deep into all this beer stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to fall asleep. I'm more <laughs> the one who's like, let's find out more about the story. Like where'd you You're just like, yeah, just, it tastes good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> so it balances out that way. It does balance out pretty well now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about, well, cause you guys had so much experience traveling, like you said, tenting and car camping and things like that, which I love as well. But, the RV lifestyle is a different type of lifestyle as well, certainly exploded over the last year or two since the pandemic. And then I think also even before that, as the younger generation was kind of uh, realizing like, hey, because RVs used to associate with, you know, just retired people. And it's not that way anymore. Maybe it's become more cool or mainstream I'm using air quotes in some ways. I always thought it was cool, but I feel like it's opened up a lot more. So yeah, but there are pros and cons to every style of travel. You know, I mean, you guys could be in a car and you could be, you know, house sitting or doing different things like that, or, or you could be living on a backpack doing this overseas or a lot of different things you can do. I mean, with your experience RVing over the last three years and you guys have prior travel experience before not RVing, what do you think are some of the pros and cons or some of the things that people should consider when it comes to traveling nomadically in that way? I think the first thing I would say is life is not what you see on social media. It's oh, just, gosh, just yeah. not. Most people portray the beautiful things. And, and there's a big saying probably in every industry, whoever travels, like life is not all rainbows and unicorns. Like it doesn't matter what you're doing, where you're going. There's going to be something that goes wrong and you always have to adjust to it. 
especially when you're traveling. So. Yeah, I think um, if you're traveling in an RV or a van or something like that, I mean, you definitely have to be, to, to my mind, you have to be a little bit more do-it-yourself kind of person. Uh, I think that comes in really handy, you know, just even if you are not going to do like major repairs and major maintenance things yourself. I mean, there are going to be times when you're moving down the road and things are just going to go sideways and you got to fix something or get through something until you can get to a professional to fix, (laughs) you fix things, you know, and. And that moving down the road could be you're moving down the road and you hit a traffic cone or it could be (laughs) you're backing up at night and you hit a small tree that knocks aside your awning. These things have never (laughs) happened, by the way, to random examples, right? Random things people have said to us. Uh, (laughs) I call BS. (laughs) But I mean, as far as the travel experience, there are certain, I've traveled in RVs before and I I know there can be certain logistical challenges, you know, and if you, if obviously you're throwing drinking into the mix, what you guys do is, you know, you can't go to a brewery and then drive around your RV, you know, go carousing and then, you know, you have to kind of find the logistics. And so of course you can take taxis and Ubers and things, but, all these campsites or places that you could fit in RV. I don't know if you guys are staying at RV sites. They're not always close to town. Sometimes they are. A lot of them are getting booked. I'm just wondering about some of the logistics around like, hey, you guys land in Montana or wherever. Is that what you said you are now or Wyoming, Montana? Um, All right, we want to go to these breweries. So what do you guys do? Do you like base at a place near town and then like take Ubers in and go and explore? Do you just park? And how do you guys do it? So it all just depends on what area we're in. So I guess we could use Montana as an example. Um, okay, how about how about this? We just recently traveled from South Dakota to Montana. We had a destination in mind in Montana. Um, but then we also knew that we wanted to hit North Dakota. Why? I don't know, because we had to put it off, mark it off of our map as our 46th state. <laughs> 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 so we kind of went out of our way. And that's just kind of how we travel too. It's like, all right, we have a plan, but we also have a very loose plan. So if we want to go out of our way, it's not really out of our way because we're the one that's planning it. And so let me tell you this too. I don't know how people traveled before apps and smartphones because there's so many apps out there to figure out where you can stay overnight, where you can camp, whether it's a campground or an RV park or dispersed site for free or um, a, a program called Harvest Toast where we actually stay at breweries and those are the best places. Right, yeah, give us some of the resources then. Yeah, so like Campendium we use a lot, um, iOverlander, Allstays. Yeah, Campendium's our go-to app probably to find places. Um, and then Allstays is very good at that too. But Because we we also, I should say, we do a lot of boondocking. Um, so we don't stay at RV campgrounds that much uh, most of the time. We Boondocking so is in the middle of nowhere, wherever you can find it. It could be actually at a Walmart parking lot sometimes or... But most times when we're boondocking, it's going to be in like a forest, in the, you know, on a dispersed campsite where it, you're in the middle of beautiful places. So like as far as visiting breweries and stuff, we do have to be very careful with that, you know, because um, like April was saying, from South Dakota to here, we were doing a lot of driving, a lot of travel. But there were still a couple of breweries that along the way that were like, OK, this is one we want to stop at and check out. And when that happens, you know, we don't drink five, six, seven beers. You know, we might have to stop and have one beer, have some lunch or something, make sure we're good. And then we, you know, take a break and go on down the road. But, uh, you know, 
you do have to, that's a big balance that you have to do. But most of the time we try to find a place where we can um, set up and hopefully, you know, we have our mountain bikes with us. So a lot of times we'll ride mountain bikes and to get around town or we'll try to stay somewhere close by and we'll just um, try to time our, our brewery hopping to where we don't have to drive because that's just not something we can even risk with our home. You know, I mean, we're driving our home around the country. So there are also over 8,000 breweries in the United States and we are not about to try and hit every single one of them. (laughs) No. So sometimes you just have to let it go. Yeah. And on the note too, like trying to find breweries, like, you know, most people do like breweries near me on the maps and stuff, but that sometimes is a struggle too. So we've actually been working on building um, a brewery finder on our website so like you can find craft beer, mountain bike, craft beer and mountain biking trails nearby. So we're building that map on our site too and putting that up. So we'd have like stories that link to the breweries that we've been to and then like maps and directions and pictures. So it's an all inclusive kind of resource on living a stout life where it's easy to go. Like what does living a stout life say about the breweries? Where should we go to visit it? And so we're building that too. And uh, what did you guys say about sleeping at the breweries? I wanted to hear. Okay. So that, um, some there are some breweries that you know you can you can pull up especially you know nowadays uh farm breweries are kind of a big thing so you'll have somebody that has a brewery out literally out in the middle of nowhere and a lot of times you know those those places have a lot of space so even if you just ask them a lot of times they'll be like yeah it's okay if you just crash here for the night you know so you don't have to drive off and then you can buy more beer and so it's good for them right but there's also a program called Harvest Hosts which is a membership program um, I think it's like around a hundred bucks a year, but, um, basically what that is, is they have organized a network of breweries, distilleries, uh, museums, orchards, farms, alpaca farms, things like that. And they just have organized this network where you get contact information to where you can contact these locations Say, hey, I'm rolling in in three days or two weeks or whatever. Do you way. have a space for me? It's part of the program. <laughs> you and can't then, call him two weeks ahead. It's like a one thing. Anyhow, see, little arguments. Sorry. He's just taking his side of me now. But, Anyhow, you can call ahead anyway, and ask, can we spend the night? Yeah, you just call and say if you can ask if you can spend the night. You have to be a self-contained vehicle. So they aren't expected to provide you resources, but uh, they are provided a, providing a place for you to park for the night. And so... It's kind of fun so you can go experience those places, especially a brewery or a distillery. And then you can just walk outside to your rig and and go to sleep at the night at night and not have to worry about driving around. That is very cool. I've never heard about that before. I'm looking on the website now, harvesthosts.com. Yes. Well, can Sweet. we do a plug? We have affiliate links for them too. So if you do want to join <laughs> Harvest House, go to our website. Another yeah, one. No <laughs> <laughs> the there you go. Affiliate partnerships. Support those nomads. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. 
Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries. Two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off the beaten path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Why does beer pair so well with outdoor adventure, at least in my mind or in my experience? It just always has for us. I don't know why it does. I don't know. That is a really you know good well, question. Though. So we started drinking really paying attention to craft beer when we were snowboarding. So we started snowboarding at a base in um, probably around 22 years ago or something. Oh, love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we still call that our home mountain. But we, when you're done with the day and there's just that for us, it was the dark beers. Another reason for stout, but it was the dark beers that kind of, brought us into it Mm -hmm. and so when you're done with the day and there's music playing and people are just having a great time at the bar and just sitting back and listening telling stories about what powder run they found or what you know epic fall they had or whatever and you just it's it's almost like a warm cup of coffee in a way it's just wrapping your hands around that big pint of Mm -hmm. really good dark beer at the end of the day it's comforting you like a like a soft blanket. Right. Well, and honestly, that's that's a big part of our beer love anyway is you know, good we always say good beer is just like the ticket to entry, right? It's like that's a great place, but um the places we seek out are places that have that community and that that kind of communal aspect to it. So that's it. That's probably why it's the beer. For us that beer is brings about the community. And so I think at the end of the day when you're done mountain biking with some buddies or you know, snowboarding or hiking or whatever, you just don't want it to end yet, right? So maybe that's just a way to extend the day a little bit. That was the hardest part for us probably during the pandemic when a lot of places were shut down and reopening. You could still go into the breweries because for us, we're together all the time. I don't need to go (laughs) sit and be by myself 
with him to have a beer. Like we go into the breweries to sit at a bar and like say hi to a stranger next to us and start up a conversation. And so that was really kind of tough, but we did find ourselves yelling across the aisles, talking to strangers, especially when we first went back into the breweries. Like, hey, oh my gosh, it's so good to see people again. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the community. I think that's an important point. And of course, there are breweries everywhere now, but I feel like in initially, maybe because I was living in Colorado for a while, it seems like they they really congregate or or they really spring up in, in a concentrated way around certain types of places and 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 for me some some of those places were these more adventure minded places i guess where it's like people are coming to experience the outdoors or nature but then there's also like a small town thinking like you know boulder or moab or you know some places where you guys are you know there's all these like sort of mountain towns small beach towns and things where um i I don't know why that is are there more entrepreneurial people there willing to start breweries or yeah, I th- I think maybe the last few years, especially people look at places like Denver, Asheville, you know, things like that, that they feel like there's so much beer there. They're looking for new opportunities part of the time. Um, but another part of that is also that I think these small breweries are popping up in little towns and things because they're saving some of these little towns and some of these it just seems to innately pair well with areas that do have a lot of outdoor activity and, and different adventure opportunities like hiking and biking and boating and things like that. So I think people are seeing an opportunity. I think to maybe make what he said a little bit like yeah. concise is like, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> people want the beautiful places. So they're going to go to the beautiful places, but sometimes not everybody lives at the beautiful places and they need a community. So they need that local pub. And if there's not the local pub that people like, then they want, they're going to create one. So that brewery then becomes the local pub. That's a much yeah, I, I think that's a great point. Well, there are two things. I mean, thinking of Ireland specifically, right? There's the social element around the pub culture, and it's almost like the modern day US version, we'll say, of pub culture, right? It's, hey, let's create something local. And then people know also, I think it's, one thing I've, I've always loved about the breweries is you you know you're supporting a local business as well, generally speaking, right? I mean, I know some of these breweries get snapped up by bigger companies and things like that, but a lot of the breweries that you go to, they're just locally owned. So you're, no, you're getting a local experience. And with that, there are usually locals there. It's just like a whole culture, I think, around these breweries. And even if, you don't, if you're listening to this, you don't drink beer, you've never been to a brewery, I still think it's cool to check them out. You know, because there there is a, a culture around it, I feel. It's a, like a lifestyle culture, I think. There totally is. And we've actually gotten a lot of friends along the road and even before moving into the RV that don't really like beer so much, but they love going out to the breweries. So Yeah, because it's not, uh, you know, it's it's not what you would think of as like a, a, um, a bar where people go to just really drink heavily, right? those old, the old school bars that where people are like buying buckets of beer. It's not like that. It's most breweries have a pretty much kind of a family atmosphere to them and stuff. I, there are obviously exceptions to that rule, but, um, you know, a lot of them have family atmosphere, uh, have outdoor areas for dogs and things like that. I mean, it's usually a pretty laid back place. 
Yeah. yeah, you're not going for a rum and coke and a DJ experience. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> you know, like it's just cool. it's just a chill environment, which I love about it. Okay. Well, we should get into these destinations because I'm sure some questions will pop up here. And I've asked you to prepare a list of your top ten destinations for the craft beer loving traveler, or as we just alluded to, even if you're not a craft beer lover, you may want to check these out for other reasons. Supporting locals, culture, all the good stuff we just talked about. So I don't know what this list is, but you guys travel around in an, living in an RV for three years, going to a bunch of breweries. So I'm really excited to hear <laughs> your top 10 list. We're really excited to hear our top 10 list too. <laughs> we kind of put some together and I don't know, you're going to have to count for us because we're going to go, I don't know, you're going to have to count for us and then bring us back in when we start talking off way on a tangent on certain stories. Uh, Okay. Uh, you know, we can always preface this with uh, this is completely subjective. I, I realize this can, list can change next week, but this is yeah. for fun. It's what we do here. So it is totally subjective. And when we were talking about this um, over beer, obviously, uh, last night about kind of preparing for this, it we realized that a lot of our favorite places are based off of our experiences. So, and that's what they are. The places that you love are based off of the experiences that you have with them. And we have to say some of them are like destination places and a couple are actually just some breweries that are in the middle of nowhere that you totally should still go to because it's a destination brewery. <laughs> All right. Lay it on me. Give us number 10. Oh, oh, these, wait, wait, wait. Well, we can give you number 10, but we can't rank these. So it can be. <laughs> oh, come on. No, you have to rank, rank them. them oh, we have to rank them. Oh, yeah. Come on. I mean, well, this is the. Okay. This is the uh, this is the the fun. You got to count down to number one. You know, I'm putting you on the spot now. But hey, you got to make some tough decisions here, guys. This is a, this is no easy ride here on the Zero to Travel podcast. You know, we can make tough decisions and leaving our kids. That's easy. When we're moving <laughs> our yeah, we'll sell everything we own, leave our kids behind, live in an RV. But we can't possibly rank these these breweries. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you said what is number ten? I would go with um, Asheville. Asheville's number ten. Why? Okay, why? Asheville's <laughs> no awesome. Asheville. I mean, top ten. Anything in the top ten is going to be awesome. So <laughs> this is what I want: a live debate between you two. Here we go. Here you go. I mean, lock Asheville, it in. Asheville at number ten. You get to pick the next one, April. I like Asheville um, as number ten because it's a great place, but there's not a lot of breweries that I'm like uh, just clinging to. But there's a lot of cool different breweries in in and around Asheville. And there's also a lot of mountain biking just outside of town. So you can do everything right there. But um, yeah, yeah the I mean, there's there's breweries down along the river there um, that are really fun and lots of out, outdoor space. And then you can go into town and you can be you can be at a brewery and then walk down the street and you're at this funky gas station turned into a gastro pub and and Pisco, mountain biking, Pisco National Forest is right there. What? Are you yeah. April looks very concerned. She's she's, <laughs> she's very upset. April, don't worry. We're not. This is. You can change it later. Okay. I, <laughs> she's I think, like, what do you mean, dude? Are you kidding me? Number ten. It's great because there's a lot of great breweries there, but it's it's not like in my top three or four. Okay, maybe because we only spent one day pretty much brewery exploring and one day mountain biking. And there's so much more time that needs wow. to be spent in that area. Oh, yeah. We could spend weeks there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and should we tell you how we camped there? Yes. It's called stealth camping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Se secret camping? Secret camping. Yeah. Anyhow. Nice. Okay. Where <laughs> did you stealth camp? Where did you stealth camp? On the street somewhere in Asheville. 
we were on, we were on the South Slope in Asheville, which is where a lot of the breweries are and stuff. There, if you there's a few places along the street that uh, you can get back. A lot of good stealth camping places if if you're gonna do that in a van or something or a small RV or whatever. We always try to find something that's on the edge of neighborhood and business where it looks safe, but you're out of the way so you're not messing with people that live around there. You know, you don't want to make yourself too obvious. <laughs> we've actually done that several times when we visit like the cities that have a lot of breweries because we when we first started traveling we don't have a car we just had our mountain bikes and the RV, and so if we want to park and stay in a place for a while, I don't want to drive you know granted our rv is pretty small but i don't want to drive it back and forth every time we're going somewhere so we'll be like all right we're gonna stay in this city for this time period let's just park okay this spot looks good and the key to that is don't live in your rv while you're stealth camping go to the yeah places. don't spend the day in your rv that's, it's just a point to sleep yeah yeah got it <laughs> so very cool all right. all right number nine number nine number nine you get to pick number nine. I have a feeling so many people will argue with me on this one, but it's going to be number nine because we're so acquainted with Denver that it, it always kind of misses our radar. So I'm going to go with Denver, but what? it always misses our radar because we're so acquainted with Denver. I, it's totally on the top 10 list. It's not going to be number one. Wow. <laughs> She's getting back at you. Wow. <laughs> that cuts deep. <laughs> I that smacked cuts, him. That cuts deep. <laughs> we're, we're so acquainted with Denver. It's like we've been there for for over 30 some years and that's where our love for beer kind of started is in the town. And like, if you look at our website, we don't even write a whole lot about Denver. Yeah. Because it's just something that is just such... It's in your backyard, so you're just yeah. taking it for yeah. granted in some ways. But it's it's truly an amazing beer city the whole area i mean you t- you got colorado springs you have denver you have boulder you have fort collins you have all the outlying areas around there it's ridiculous um if somebody asks all right i need i'm going to denver for a three-day trip what breweries should i visit oh man uh, <laughs> honestly a lot of the when we get rec- or get asked about denver a lot of it is based on just relationships we have with different people at different breweries because it's so hard to narrow down unless somebody says, I, I want this experience. I want that, this kind of beer. I want that. That makes it a little easier to tell somebody where to go. But if they just, well, what are your favorite breweries? It's usually because we have deep ties at some of them now because we bet we were there for so long that we just have a lot of friends. And can, can you, can you guys give us a pairing with each of these destinations? It can either be a brewery or a specific beer at a brewery. Like well, you're going to pair the, blah blah beer with denver or this one with Asheville. Well, denver we have to say well strange craft beer company is one of them and then woods boss well, yeah i would those are great breweries in denver and honestly though i would say if people are going to denver that's what we love but i think they should visit those breweries but if people are really looking for if you're them. if you're going to denver and you're going to be like hitting the downtown denver area you're, you're looking at things like Jagged Mountain and great Jagged Mountain Brewing is a really great one for um, just a wide variety of beers. They do everything from your basic, you know, wheats and, and ambers and things like that and IPAs up to crazy sour beers and, and a bunch of different stuff like that. But there's the Rhino neighborhood in Denver, which is the River North Art District and that is a place you can go. You could get an Uber or something, go down there and just spend days walking from brewery to brewery and cool little tap rooms and restaurants. 
and and even some really cool funky bars like Finn's Manor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was in Woods Boss, and I, I there's a a barber in Mexico that has my Woods Boss brewery hat. Because <laughs> we got a we got a clean shave, like a hot shave there, my buddy Travis and I, and uh, and then I left my hat on the on the uh, chair. And oh, I I thought maybe you gave it to him for some special reason. Or he just oh, no, it wasn't like I mean maybe I would have if he's like hey I love that hat, but uh, <laughs> no, I just left it behind. So anyway, that's something I need to do sometime. April keeps telling me I need to do that, and I haven't ever done a shave. hot shave. I've never gone to. Uh, yeah, I pool. hadn't done it either. My buddy Travis is uh, obsessed with them. He does them all over. So definitely highly, highly recommend them. All right. So we got Asheville and Denver. What's number eight here? Mm. You can pick it. We're looking at our notes. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably drop in with maybe Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine is a pretty cool beer town too. Um, it, it's right. It's on its own. Most of it is on its own little on the east end. There is a really cool um, neighborhood for beer. Where again, you can you can get away with a little stealth camping, and uh, when you do, then you can just walk from place to place. And there, I will warn you though that Portland, Maine is very, very, very IPA heavy. So if you're not an IPA fan, <laughs> although there's a reason that. Every brewery in the country has at least one IPA and probably more like five. So, yeah. And what's what brewery would you associate with Portland? With Portland, I mean, probably the iconic one there is Allagash. Allagash. Yeah, Allagash is probably the big one that ha- that, that everybody but would know. Maine is, might know. yeah, Maine is honestly, if you think about it, Maine is if you if you're going from like west to east, Maine is somewhat small enough where you could kind of put Portland and almost all of Maine into kind of one place because there's so many um, just quaint little towns in Maine that have their own little breweries that have their own little story. So if you take the time to get away from the cities and this is almost anywhere you go, if you take the time to get away from the actual beer cities and just expand out a little bit, you'll find these quirky little breweries all over the place. Mm -hmm. And Maine's pretty good for those. Um, I know I can't think of the name of it, but there's one on an Island in Maine that we're kicking ourselves for, for not going too um there's the easternmost brewery in lubeck maine which is that was fantastic that was a cool little town um lubeck is the easternmost town in the united states and right on the border of uh canada and they it's a town of maybe i, I want to say maybe 700 800 900 people something like that but they have their own brewery there and funny story there we we were there um the brewery's only open, I think, Thursday through Sunday. We were there on a Sunday. We walk by. The brewery has a sign up that says, oh, closed for a private function or something from 3 to 6. We're like, oh, okay. We come back after 6, walk in, and find out that we crashed awake. That somebody in town had passed away. And we happened to walk in, and they're like, oh, sorry, we're closed. And we're like, oh, okay. But then they found out that we weren't going to be able to stay because it was closed the next couple of days, and the owner was there. He's like, oh, you guys can stay. I'll give you a free pint. And then we started talking to everybody. We ended up being there for like two or three hours with these people who were celebrating someone else's life, which was... Yeah. Which was pretty special. It was pretty cool. They we got to learn all about this person and mm-hmm. and about their time. So. We also learned that we were called PFAs. Oh yes, we are people from away. 
the local people in Lubeck. <laughs> like, hey, the PFAs. <laughs> okay. Not tourists, PFAs. 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 That's a very main thing, I think. <laughs> people yeah. from away. That's funny. <laughs> But that's, Where that's, are you from? I'm from away. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Dude. come on in, I guess. <laughs> Jason, you've give us, given us our elevator speech, and now you've also given us our answer when they ask where we're from. Away. <laughs> we're away. <laughs> I am here to serve. Okay. Uh, number eight was Portland, Maine. And that was the first, I wanted to point out, that was the first coastal destination on your list because right. you had Asheville, Denver, and Portland. Let's move into number seven. I don't know seven. There they go. They're they're having a mini conference. Austin, I guess. I'm going to say Austin. Austin, Austin, Texas. Okay. Fun town. Um, I guess many people look at Texas and they're like, oh, I don't want to go to Texas, but let me tell you, go to Austin. (laughs) Um, Yeah, catch Austin while it's good. (laughs) It's blowing up. So uh, Austin right now is in that really cool space of really developing an amazing culture there. I mean, they've, they've for a long time have had a, obviously a great music culture and that is now sprouting off into things like breweries and other kinds of things. But, uh, yeah, it's getting very popular very quickly. And right now, right now it's still, it's a big city with kind of a smaller town vibe to it. Kind of like Denver was at one time where Denver used to be this big metropolis, but just didn't feel like it, you know, is that cow town, right? But it doesn't feel like a cow town anymore. <laughs> I I love Austin just because of the, I mean, there's so many different districts in there. I'm going to mess it all up, like 36 and like East Congress 6 Street. and Congress. And, and there's so many different things to do. Like if you're there at the right time, the bats that come out from the, the bridge um, in downtown, um, the river's going through there. So there's paddling. There's a whole beautiful bike path that goes along the city. Um, yeah, along it, the river it, that yeah. comes through town. There's, I mean, you can walk everywhere. There's so many different coffee shops and breweries and restaurants and food trucks and barbecue. And like, we spent yeah. so much money in the four days that we were there. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, you're taking me back to Austin. Okay, number six. Went away. We're having a conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is definitely going to be near the top. I mean... Okay, so now we got to slip in a few places that aren't just for the place, the the, the overall scope of the area. Well, like there are there like we have very few breweries that the brewery them itself is the destination for a beer or something, but Dogfish Head, Dogfish Head Brewing was just one of those places that we felt like we needed to go there's nothing else that Delaware, right? We know yeah, yeah in Delaware we could think of no other reason to go to Delaware. Um, I like it though. You got to you got to put a, a straight up brewery destination on here. Yeah, and this is one of those places that was a straight up brewery destination. And Dogfish Head is that cool, quirky brewery that does a lot of funky beers. So there's not like a beer that drew us in there, uh, but I think it's that whole idea of Dogfish Head is so quirky and funky. And then you go there, and there's this giant steampunk treehouse out in front of the brewery. And but it's a place that you don't feel like you're a tourist at either. I mean, Dogfish Head is this massive brewery, but you still feel like you're one of the locals coming in and hanging out. What are they famous for? The IPAs that most everybody Mo- knows. I mean, yeah, most people probably know Dogfish Head for the 60 minute IPA or the 90 minute IPA, and those, um, and then lots of funky, crazy, wacky beers that they do too. 
Were they one of the first ones to do um, the Latino, chicha. the chicha? Have you heard of chicha? It's mm. a, I totally butcher this it's, every time. It's an ancient kind of beer from Latin America and South America where it's made from a base of corn. And back in the day, women would chew the corn. And by chewing the corn, it, their saliva was added to it, which helped the fermentation process. And it had to be women because they had a different type of enzyme or something in their saliva. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and and Dogfish had actually made a, one of these beers. Yeah. And they did some of the chewing too. Yeah, right? they did. Some they of actually it. did the chewing process. There are other, there's a place in Denver that makes chicha and another similar kind of beer called pulque. But um, Dos Luces in Denver does this, but they don't chew the beer. They don't chew the corn. They, yeah. just, okay. they just make the well, beer. Well, I mean, it sounds like one of the key parts of the process. You got to chew the chew it, right? Right. You, you got to chew the corn, spit That's it out, and ferment the situation. <laughs> okay. Kind of like Interesting. <laughs> I will uh, probably not be adding any of that style of cooking to the dinner menu here at my house anytime soon. Like I'm going to chew this up first and then add the, (laughs) but your kids would love that. Yeah. Yeah, They're three and five. They would love chewing. I don't think anymore. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. I love it. Dogfish had it. Number six. All right. We're into the top five. Now give us your five. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago, and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever zero to travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Gut reaction. Come on. Gut reaction? Gut reaction. I would probably say Brewdog. Brewdog. Brewdog in Columbus, Ohio. And Brewdog is a place that is a destination. They So Brewdog started in Scotland. That's where they their yes. home is. I had one last night. Did you? Oh, I forgot. Yes, yeah. you're very close oh, to me. Yeah, you're close enough to. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of my go to IPA around here because it's uh, it's pump. very expensive to get beer here. And 
I don't know if it's because they're bigger and and they uh, with the the importing and everything they're able to kind of keep their prices down, but it's like reasonably priced for Norway and good. I would imagine that's part of it because Brewdog has gotten massive. They're like all over Europe. They're in China. They're in Australia. They were in Singapore when we were there. Oh yeah, they were in Singapore. But they they just a few years ago finally just built a brewery in the United States outside of Columbus, Ohio. And it's outside of Columbus because they built a massive production brewery, but it's also got this really cool tap room. But the key there, the kicker is they built a hotel on site. So they have their own brew dog hotel that has beer in the showers. You can have you, they literally have beer set up for you in your shower and they have tap handles in your hotel room that you tell them what beers you want on tap in your hotel room and they tap them up. <laughs> and phenomenal food too. Their food is phenomenal as well. And if you know BrewDog at all, it's a lot of BrewDog for me is just the attitude. You know, they're, they're known for doing like a bunch of, a lot of crazy promotional stunts and just, I don't know. There's a lot of like punk attitude behind BrewDog. Which yeah, because the, 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 the beer is the punk, punk IPA is what yeah. I had last night. That's yeah. their famous beer. Yeah. They have mm-hmm. a lot of fun in everything that they do. The, yeah. And it's, it's just, it's a destination place itself. Like again, like Dogfish Head, if you're, if you know BrewDog, you got to go there. And most people in the United States are like, what is BrewDog? But it's starting mm-hmm. to get there where people are starting to recognize it. Yeah. Very cool. I like the idea of the hotel. That's, that would be a fun experience. Yeah. Well, and you can, did own- you stay at the hotel? We actually didn't. We didn't. We stayed in our RV in their parking lot, though, for three days. But it was during... So they have a stock, a shareholders thing when you, you can join their shareholders and it's called Equity you, for Punks. Right. You can buy into, into BrewDog. They have a unique thing where um, basically anybody can buy in for just a few bucks to buy a few shares yeah. of stock. And so then they have their annual shareholders meeting, which is probably the best shareholders meeting anyone will ever attend. It's called the AGM, Annual General Mayhem. And it's actually just a big party. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's their stockholder meeting. So we went, <laughs> yeah. So we went there and we asked ahead of time, hey, we have this, you know, fairly small RV. Can we park in your parking lot during this event? And I don't know, we kind of shoved our name around a little bit saying we're craft beer podcasters, you know, video creators and all that. And they're like, sure, why not? So <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> yes. I mean, well, that's one of the other, we don't have to get into that, but when you start a business like this around something you love, it's, it's not something everybody wants to do, but when you do, then you can... We say leverage that in some ways, right? You, you know, it's it's like an excuse to kind of have these conversations to get connected with people at the breweries. If you're just uh, a PFA, <laughs> a random PFA, they're not going to be as inclined to kind of sit down and talk with you. But because you guys have this whole project around this, you might sit down with the head brewer or you know get invited to these things or, or be allowed to park in a parking lot outside of a. Uh, the, the the shareholders meeting at a big brewery, right? So I mean, these kind of things, you know, it might sound obvious. But these kind of things happen when you sort of build a a business like you have around the things you love. Then you have a a, a sort of it's not like it's going to work everywhere, and, and you don't want to use it to your advantage. But it, it's 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 sort of um, you become part of the industry, right? You mm-hmm. kind of bully your way into the industry. <laughs> yeah, we are. I, I, that's by very brute true. force of, of a microphone and your words. Well, right. one of, yeah, one of our favorite stories of it's kind of well, it's still on topic because it's beer. But one of the favorite stories that you're talking about and how we kind of got into something is it was actually in Ohio at this little brewery called Father jo- Father John's, mm-hmm. um, just a little tiny town in Ohio, and 
we were just there. We were talking across the way. This was a couple of years ago, talking across the way, yelling across the brewery with this couple. And they're like, and plus it's in a church. It's in an active church. This brewery is in the basement of an active church. So the congregation meets upstairs, the brewery's in the basement. It's very eclectic, interesting brewery. But this couple was like, hey, you guys, we have this event like coming up tomorrow. You should, first of all, stay in our driveway. We didn't know them. <laughs> so we stayed in our driveway overnight, went to the event afterwards, after we found out what they found out who we were, like a podcast and all that, and our website. And they invited us to this special beer tasting in this like dungeon-like room. And the beer tasting was out of a skull that was being a human skull fake, but it was being passed around as the beer tasting to all the special invitees that were invited to go to that. And I don't think we would have gotten invited to that. Well, and this, yeah, this beer tapping was, it's something they do like once a year. And I mean, this was 25 people, maybe. Yeah. It's an, uh, just by invitation, it's some of their regulars and some of their special guests and somebody was like, Hey, we can get you in. So. And we were a special guest. It was really cool. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can lead to cool travel experiences. And and I say that with the, you know, it's not like if you're listening and be like, all right, well, I'm just going to start this thing and, and just, just to get free stuff or whatever. That's not how it works. When you're serious about it and it's authentic and everything like that, these, I think these travel experiences and these types of things can happen. That's my take anyway. If most of what we do happens organically too. Like the interviews that we set up, we do plan it ahead of time as much as we can, but we're so not planners that a lot of the things in the breweries and places that we go are just organic. Hey, you should go here. Hey, you should go here. But these things, like you said, you have to be genuine. This yeah. is this is our passion. I mean, we're very passionate. Even if this wasn't our business, we would be going to breweries and I would be geeking out on beer and, and all that stuff. But I think when you say you're a podcaster or you're a blogger or whatever, I mean, a lot of people are that now, right? A lot of people are bloggers and there's a few billion podcasts out there now, probably, but but um, when people realize how genuine you are and how enthusiastic you are about what they're doing, they want to share it. They want to talk about it. They want to bring you in and say, oh, yeah, oh, you like that? Hang on, I'm working on this beer back here. It's not quite ready yet, but do you want to try it and see what you think? And, you know, so things like that happen because you genuinely have that same passion that they do for what they're doing. All right, let's move back into the list. We've got four more to cover. Number four. Can I give a whole state? <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. I mean, we're in sure. Montana. Yeah, I mean, Montana. Yes. How about, well, yeah, the whole just state. Just the western part. Mostly the western part of Montana <laughs> with the mountain towns. But I want to say Montana just because there's so many little towns. Well, there's no big towns in Montana, period. True. But there's so many little towns that each of them have their own brewery with each of their own little characteristics that matches each community. And so, I mean, like, for example, Steve Ice, Stevensville in Montana, just a little town, has Wildwood. Um, and it's, 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 it's on this farm and he's working on, like, you know, sustainable sustainability and just really working on doing anything and everything for that community to include the, the farmers in the area or there's um, give me other breweries like sacred waters, for example, is another one in Kalispell and she just opened it off of a tribute. The owner opened it off of a tribute to her mom and, and loved, loves the beer industry. And there's these little stories that are so easy to get to in these small little towns in Montana that I love that piece of it. And there, there are so many of them in Montana. You, you could do a whole state tour. Um, and every brewery you go to in Montana is going to have a Scottish ale. <laughs> it's a thing. 
I don't know why. <laughs> it's a yeah. thing. Okay. It's a thing. Oh, okay. sounds awesome. All right, we're in our top three now. It's getting serious. It's getting real. I got to guess Burlington's on one of these in one of these slots, but I don't know. I'm just speculating. Okay, wait. Here's we haven't spent a lot of time on the East Coast, so. (laughs) Um. Okay. (laughs) Pick one. We have three left. What do you got? Where's one that we haven't talked about? One of my favorites that, and this is a personal experience. One is Omaha, Georgia. That's a, okay. How about Omaha and Atlanta area? And there's, again, there's just, there's just still, I think we kind of shy away from picking the huge, obvious brewery destinations because everybody I like it to know about those. So we want people to know about the different places and the more eclectic ones and the ones that are unique. Yes. And we need to give people an excuse to go to these places, right? Yeah. So talk about <laughs> Omaha. Uh, in a nutshell, Omaha, Georgia is a town of about 150 people, maybe 200. And a guy who grew up there who went off to Atlanta to become a dentist wanted to come back and save his dying hometown and started a brewery. He thought he was going to start a winery. And he's like, you know, grapes take five to seven years to start maturing before you can even start thinking of making wine. And so it's like, we can make beer in two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah, we're going to start a brewery. He's still going to start a winery, but uh, Omaha Brewing then became a thing, and uh, he moved his dental practice there. He's the only dentist in like something like three or five counties around there, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, uh, but they have a lot of property there, several acres, and you know it's a it's a cool little brewery to visit, and they're just awesome people. And there's a, there's a state park nearby, and there's a an eclectic little folk art community nearby called Passaquan, which is if you know folk art at all, it's just, that's just a cool experience in and of itself. Um, there's there's just cool little places to explore around there, and most people wouldn't even think about going to nowhere, Omaha, Georgia, which is actually on the border of Alabama um, and Georgia. It's right near the border, but. And I say the middle of nowhere. It is in the middle of nowhere in and of itself, but it's it's only about an hour or so from like Columbus, and then you get up into Atlanta and those areas where there's quite a few breweries. Atlanta is a good beer destination as well. So I would say Atlanta jumping off of Omaha. I love that the uh, guy's a dentist and yeah. a brewer. Just, just I love the characters behind some of these businesses. You know, he's not even the brewer. He just started the business. His son is the head brewer, though. Right. Oh, okay. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. It's super cool. All right, we're down to the two and one. I like the I like the obscure. Wait, there, uh, I just had this destinations here. Ah, I just had one for the second, and it went away. You better pull it back. <laughs> Grab it. Grab it, bring it back. So I want to like, before, first of all, we have spent a little bit of time on the East Coast. We went down there th- so fast that there's a, so many great breweries and regions. In yeah, the East I mean, listen, we're gonna skip it because we don't, we don't, we can't. I yeah. can't hit everywhere. You got, you got to work with what you know. You know. <laughs> oh, I well, mountain towns right. everywhere, like Montana. But I think another one that people really aren't aware about, um, aware of, is Northern Alabama. That's a good area that that's a good, that's a good area. Yeah. I mean, there are a ton of breweries in Huntsville itself. And then there's a bunch of nearby towns that have pretty cool breweries too. So yeah. For people who are like Alabama, why would you ever go to Alabama? We were pleasantly surprised with Alabama and Huntsville, Northern Alabama area up there has 
within a small little town has at least 10, 15 breweries that you can walk walk to most of them. Plus, surprisingly enough, too, there's so many mountain biking trails around that region that are just beautiful. Like the the trails around there, the outdoor activities, uh, Lake Gunnersville is around that area. I had no idea Alabama had so much to offer with outdoor activities, unless you're on the coast. But I mean, that's a great area. I, w- I would disagree with you, but because I, I probably like, I, w- I probably would have thrown Tucson up there in like number two because Tucson, Tucson is to me Tucson clicks because it's biking and beer and it's like synonymous in Tucson. All right, guys, I will allow a slash for the number two Huntsville slash Tucson. Okay, I want you guys to come away from this podcast not fighting, feeling good. Well, you can't each other. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, we both can too. I could like... We could <laughs> <laughs> and it, plus, it's not even... It's just past six in the morning there. So, you know, I'm going to yeah. catch you. I'm going to give you a break. All right. Number one here. We can definitely agree on number one. Bend, Oregon. All right. Uh, I've not been there yet. Oh, uh, it's... Yeah. It's a town of around 100,000 people. But the breweries, there's like over 20 breweries. Deschutes Brewery is right there off of Deschutes River. Um, Deschutes is one of our gateway beers. So that was, yeah. Almost everybody uh, knows Deschutes Black Butte Porter. Yeah. And the mountain biking trails around there are phenomenal. I think that is going to be, we've mountain bike in Colorado and stuff, and they have great trails too. But Bend just has these, like, you're climbing, but you're not out of breath because you're not at, like, you know, 9,000 feet when you start climbing. (laughs) (laughs) But the downhills are so super flowy and fun. And there's camping right at the trailheads. And and the breweries, the town itself is probably like five, six miles away from everything. Everything is so connected. It's so beautiful. And they have bike trails that go from the trail systems just outside of town into town. So you can easily stay out by the bike trails, ride all day out there, ride into town and ride back without much for somebody who's a serious mountain biker. So. We were just there and it was. And they have, uh, you know, they have 20 plus breweries that hit every kind of, um, every kind of ambiance that you want and every kind of beer that you want. And, and awesome. Amazing list guys. I'll, I'll recap it really quick. 10, you got Asheville, North Carolina, nine, Denver, eight, Portland, Maine, seven, Austin, six, Dogfish Head, Brewery specifically, number five, Brewdog in Columbus, Ohio, four, Western Montana, the western side of Montana, number three, Omaha, Georgia, checking out Omaha Brewing Company, owned by the dentist, number two, Huntsville, Alabama, slash Tucson, Arizona, and number one, Bend, Oregon, giving me more fuel for the fire to visit Bend. Wow. What a list, guys. There are so many more breweries. So if somebody's about this list, you know, tough. Go create your own list. That's what we want you to do. <laughs> you should create your own list. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, of course. It's all, it is subjective, but it's fun and it's great to hear the stories along the way and some of the reasons why you chose these destinations, which is, uh, you know, always very specific to the traveler, right? Like, what is it about a certain place that we love and why would it land on a top 10 list? You know, it might not be something that's obvious for everybody else, but like you said, you had the special experience there or a special connection for for some reason, good memories. And I don't know, this all plays in, into it, right? All right, we'll be talking for a while. I'm gonna let you go in a minute. I, I did want to ask you about the the financial part of uh, traveling the way you do, because that's a big question always for everybody. And I know you guys originally 
um, like April, you left your teaching job and you said, well, we'll cut our expenses in half and we'll be living on half salary. So that'll work. Are you finding that you've been able to cut your expenses a lot living in the RV or is it expensive? You know, what, what should people that might want to like do the kind of thing that you're doing, you know, maybe they want to travel around and do the craft beer thing like you're doing. I mean, what, what would people expect to spend per month roughly or yeah, just any advice around the financial side of living nomadically in this way? I would say you have to f- do it off of what you want to travel for, like your reasoning. So s- there's many people that love to go to museums and they like to see the different history in different regions um, or other people go for like outdoor adventures or rafting or whatever your reason is that you have to pick that. And then you have to decide how much money you're willing to spend on all that. So our entertainment really, and I love, 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 love going to the different breweries when we visit regions and we love going to the different restaurants and eating the local food. So that's kind of what drives us. So, you know, people often say, if you stop drinking and eating out so much, you can travel more. True. (laughs) However, that's what we like to travel for. I understand. Yeah. So... On that note, you do have to find a balance in there. Plenty of people can move into an RV and honestly live off of $2,000 a month. It's really not that difficult, especially if you stay in one spot because you might not have a mortgage anymore, depending on the type of RV you have. But if you're traveling a lot, you have gas. And that expense becomes a big part of your expense. That's probably one of the big if you travel like we do and stay in spots that are for free, like boondocking or camping in forests and campgrounds like that, you don't have RV park expenses. If you feel more comfortable to be plugged in all the time, then you're going to have to spend you know, money at an RV park. And average prices for mm-hmm. RV parks are like $40 a night sometimes. Yeah, that's basically gas or and or staying at RV parks, things like that are going to be your new mortgage. And if it depends also on what you do for your RV, because like we bought an older RV that we could afford to pay for outright. And so we don't owe anything monthly on that. And some people want something newer and bigger and they might have, you know, a monthly payment on that. And you, you have to take all those things into consideration because, because your every, your everyday stuff like groceries and things are pretty much the same. They're similar as living in a house, you know, you, you still have all those regular expenses like that, but. So I was going to say like, you have to kind of still budget. We don't, we, we, you should probably build a budget. We're very terrible at building a budget, (laughs) (laughs) but we're also, the, the word that is missing from today's world and everything is probably moderation. If you can find that middle piece of moderation of what you love, then I think you can do whatever you want to do. So whether you want to travel overseas and live a nomad life from, you know, Airbnb to Airbnb, or whether you want to travel across the United States or into Mexico or Canada in an RV, it's up to you and your lifestyle as to how you want to do it. You could do it extravagantly or you could do it very inexpensively. And it's just up to you and how you want to spend your money. If you love craft breweries, but don't have a whole lot of money, then just do it, you know, once a week. And don't move around a lot. You're going to like, your cost down. yeah, keep your costs down. I don't know if that answered kind of what you were asking, but <laughs> there's so many ways to travel. There's not one way to do it. And that's what makes it great. Absolutely. Cool. <laughs> well, I appreciate so much the fact that you guys got up, got caffeinated <laughs> and, you know, decided to spend time with us today. Thank you so much for sharing these destinations. And, you know, I hope we can have a beer in person 
one of these one of these days somewhere. I hope right? so too. Actually, can we say something real quick about yeah, having Yeah, I was gonna say, do you want to remind everybody where they can find your stuff and everything that yeah. you guys are up to? Well, it's, you mentioned having a beer in person, which we would totally want to do. And you know, if you find yourself in in Colorado and you're in in October, <laughs> this is our little plug. So beer to us is so much about community and mountain biking is so much about community and all the people that we've met on the road. It's just become this huge piece of what we love to do with travel. And so us and another um, website company, the, the virtual campground, we've put together this thing called Camp Carpe Diem, um, October 7th through the 10th in Uray, Colorado. And it's just to build community and to have people find their tribe on the road and to have people learn more about mountain biking or learn more about breweries or learn more about photography or learn more about yoga, all the stuff that all of us love to do. And so that's, I don't know if anybody's interested in that, you can kind of look into that more at campcarpediem.com. And that really is, you know, it plays into when you're, when you spend full time on the road, you know, we built a little community, a little traveling community. We're not always together with all those people, but we have different people we meet up with regular, regularly on the road. And it's kind of a little tribe you build just so you, cause I think everybody needs that little sense of community. So you're not always on your own. You don't feel like you're always on your own. And so we've built that traveling community so that we don't just have to go back to family in Denver or South Dakota or whatever to feel like we have a family. And so yeah. that's part of what we're trying to do with Camp Carpe Diem is, help people figure out a way to build their own little family and their own little tribe on the road. Yeah. So very cool. Well, thank you very much for you can also find us. Wait, don't let us go. Oh, yeah. oh sorry. <laughs> Everything is living a stat life. The living life.com. We have YouTube, yes. and Instagram and pod. Oh, our podcast, the craft beer travel and adventure. Which, yes. If you like podcasts, that's why I, I was going to mention your website. I promise. <laughs> no <worries. laughs> Yeah. But absolutely, because uh, if you go to livingastoutlife.com, you can find all the stuff you're talking about. Right, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> cool. You can check out the podcast because I think I'm going to record an episode with you guys now. Is that right? I don't know if this one went well enough for you to be on our podcast. Oh, uh, <laughs> darn. Well... I'm snarky. No, sometimes. you're. I'm excited to have you on ours too. I have to Absolutely. tell you, no, you're kind of a movie star to me because uh-huh. you, you, you are because you. I've been listening to your podcast for a long time, and it was part of what inspired me to what inspired us uh, to move to the RV too. So that's yeah. yeah April's that's, been listening to Zero to Travel since uh, I think even before we moved into the RV. So. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you, and that's the whole point of the show, right? To help get people out there. So whatever, if I had a small part in that, I'm happy. Let's go do your podcast now. You can listen to it over, uh, again, you can find all the links where, where we said livingastoutlife.com. And I don't know what we're going to talk about. They're going to turn the tables on me. So I'm a little nervous, but hopefully <laughs> I can pull it off. <laughs> yeah. All right. April and Ken, thanks guys. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Cheers. Jason. Thank you. There you have it. My chat with April and Kenny. Thanks to them for supporting today's show. Love that they're out there doing their thing in their own unique way. And we all can do that, right? I'm, I'm still plotting and scheming here my next move when it comes to travel. You know, we've been locked down like everybody. And I feel in the next year or two, this family might be due for a little extended time on the road and trying to figure out what that looks like with school and all that kind of stuff. Those are some of the questions I'm answering 
for myself right now and considering. And I'm sure you have your own set of questions as you continue to plot and scheme <laughs> your travel life, your travel lifestyle. You know, I don't think it ever stops. FYI, if you're younger and you're listening to this, I feel like travel is one of those things where it sort of doesn't ever go away for most people in terms of something that they love. A lot, a lot of hobbies, I've done different things in the past where you know, I used to skateboard all the time growing up, right? And I have a longboard now, but I'm, it's not like I'm out skating every day. Your interests come and go, but travel, I don't, I don't think that's ever going to go. It, it's just something I love to do. And I, I think if you're listening to this, you probably feel the same way. And that means... You have that one constant thing for the love of travel, but how you might want to do it changes over time. And that's why I wanted to kind of pick out something we chatted about in this interview. This idea, I think I mentioned it, the pros and cons to every style of travel when I was asking April and Kenny why they chose to live in an RV. And not so much a message here as just a reminder for all of us to really be intentional with the style of travel we choose. And we can think about how that looks. We can never really know what the experience is like, but as a practical exercise, we could make a pros and cons list. That's always something that works pretty well when I'm trying to make big decisions. For example, when we were trying to move to a new place here in Oslo, I you know, I wasn't sure exactly what that looked like. I didn't kind of I didn't want to move to some place that just gave me the same lifestyle. I wanted something different and my wife felt the same. So we sat down and we made a pros and cons list. And we just started exploring some of the different things that we might want out of this experience of living in whatever, insert whatever neighborhood. And that helped us really dial in what it is that we wanted. And I think that's a good thing to do for travels too. Sometimes I think we just start with the destination, but let's talk about the style of travel. You know, there are many ways to do it, right? Okay, so you want to go to Southeast Asia, but have you considered walking through Southeast Asia, biking, maybe only taking trains or, uh, you know, backpacking, hitchhiking, you know, maybe some combination. All of these things affect the amount of places you can see, the impact that you have, the experience that you have on the ground. No right or wrong answers in terms of what you want. It's just kind of what you want as, as an experience. Of course, you know, you can keep in mind sustainability and different things that might align with your core values as a traveler and what might get you connected deeper to a place. Consider all these things. But it's just good to be intentional around the choice of what style of travel you choose and what that might mean for the trip. So I just wanted to share a few thoughts on on that because that was something that stuck in my brain as I was re-listening to this interview and preparing to record this segment for you. Just something I wanted to bring back up. So there you go. Now, this morning I was talking to my kids and I had an Evil Knievel shirt on. (laughs) This is an old t-shirt I had that got sent back to me uh, from the USA. I had a bunch of stuff sent in a box that I hadn't seen in forever and I pulled this out. thought I was getting rid of it. My friend sent it to me. And... My kids were looking at it and they were like, who is this evil Knievel guy? Is this a real guy? And I was like, yeah, this is, this is a real person. So we watched a YouTube video this morning and evil Knievel 
you know, I didn't read his whole story. I, I kind of want to. I should have before I recorded this. But the one thing that stuck with me as we were watching this video was uh, just the concept of a daredevil. I mean, what a what an interesting concept, right? My job is to be a daredevil. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Think about that, really. So, you know, we have the power to do that. Talk about a, a, a inventing a, a wild sort of off-the-wall job for yourself. And, and, and this is, ties back to the interview as well, right? It's like, hey, we love adventure. We love craft beer. We're just going to sort of create this, this mishmash of all these things we love and, and make it our job. Okay. You know, you can do that, which is kind of nuts. Now, Evil Knievel to me is an inspiration in the sense that I don't want to, I would never want to do any of that. I don't find it, it at all uh, exciting to go do stunts or anything like that. I don't want to wreck my body. I think I'm too old anyway, but it is inspiring to think that somebody out there could just say, Hey, I, I love riding around on a motorcycle and jumping off things. So I'm just going to make this my job and I'm going to call myself a daredevil and I'm going to go inspire people just by doing these crazy tricks. I mean, what a, what a wild life. <laughs> so anyway, it was a good reminder that we have the power to do that for ourselves. And also that maybe we all should be daredevils every once in a while, not in the sense of again, going and throwing your body around, but just in the sense of throwing caution to the wind, taking some risks, and maybe living on the edge a little sometimes. So I just wanted to share that, some lessons learned from Evil Knievel this morning. I'm also going to leave you with a quote. I saw this on Facebook earlier. My friend Eric posted it. He runs the website minoritynomad.com. He's got a YouTube station. And he asked uh, the question of the day, what quote that you recently read or heard is your favorite? And he put this quote down from Rick Warren. And I wanted to read this to you because I found it inspiring. I wanted to thank Eric for sharing this because it, it, uh, it did inspire me today. So the quote is, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. There you have it. Today's show. Had a blast bringing it to you. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. This is a community-powered show. Don't forget to get in touch. Leave me a message. And I'd love to hear from you. That's it. I'll leave you now. Have a wonderful day. Till next time, peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 